You're listening to the Long Overdue Podcast. Chris and Denise are here talking about Friday the 13th. (laughs) And all kinds of spookiness that goes along with that very superstitious day. Say hi, Chris. Hi. If you haven't been listening to our past podcast, the person you heard speaking just a moment ago was Denise, referring to herself in third person. (laughs) That's right. So, let's talk a little bit about local lore. We will be having a special guest join us later on, Julia Heberlin, and she'll be talking to us a little bit more about local Wise County supernatural spooky lore. But right now, I really, really want to know, what is this whole Mothman sighting? Was there a Mothman sighting? Yeah, apparently there was a a Mothman encounter in Wise County in on June second of two thousand three, uh, spotted by a postal worker on one of the county roads. They said that they saw wild deer, kind of a stampede of sorts, and then they were being chased by uh, two red fireballs about the size of basketballs. Oh. Uh, so I assume that's the eyes. <laughs> the Mothman's eyes. Mothman's eyes, yeah. Yeah. Big moth eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, so she described the encounter to her co-workers. And, uh, you know, some some folks went out there and, and investigated it and saw broken trees. And uh, they saw the trajectory, things like that. Uh, the leaves on the affected trees appeared to be wilted and dried in appearance, uh, but the leaves outside of the trajectory appeared normal. Whoa. So I guess it had a death-like influence on the local yeah. uh, greenery and foliage. Um, of course, if I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with some of the Mothman mythology. I am, but maybe you should explain a little bit. Yeah, and I, and I will. but i'm just making sure you're on the same page but yeah as i'm not an expert in it or anything but the things i've read about the mothman is that uh not only is it creepy because it's a a mothman but uh it's also usually linked to disasters accidents um other terrible things happening so it's kind of like a foretelling or a foreboding presence yeah i don't know like a an omen or something ominous uh and i know some people think that it's uh like extraterrestrial in nature um but but being that it causes disasters or is a precursor to disasters Mm -hmm. i don't know is it supernatural in some way or is it responsible for the disasters? I don't know. Um, but anyway, just all that said, it was later that there was a couple of accidents that happened on uh, Highway 114. Yeah, two major accidents the following day. So, if we are going off of the the other Mothman mythology, uh, it appears that the Mothman was in some way responsible for these accidents. Um, I guess just by being 
present in the area. Well, that's that's very creepy. I mean, just seeing something like that and then, I don't know, coming back to the area and finding all this dead foliage. And then the next day, there was two major accidents in that same area. That's just crazy. That's spooky. So if the Mothman, if we are to go by some theories that it's extraterrestrial, do you think that it's somehow connected to the Aurora alien gravesite? The Aurora alien? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I guess it's a, it's a distance, but still. Yeah, it's still, it's, that's close enough. And uh, I know that we even have some of the, the Aurora alien lore in our library in the reference mm-hmm. section. The Aurora alien, uh, everybody's familiar with with that, the crash of the UFO in Aurora and the, the burial of the poor uh, the poor space traveler. Yeah. In the grave site. So it was the UFO reportedly crashed in Aurora on April the 17th of 1897. That was a long time ago. That was a very long time ago. And so it is also claimed that the fatality from the crash and the alleged alien body is to have been buried in an unmarked grave at the local cemetery. And from what I understand, that, that gravesite is supposed to be off-limits to the general public. I think there is sort of a fence around there. There is a historical marker out there that you can go and read. But yes, I think that's true. I don't think you're allowed to to go to it anymore. Of course, they don't want just anybody going out there and thinking that they can investigate and and uh, and uncover this this alien aliens uh, burial yeah. remains. No disturbing alien remains. Mm-hmm. Just, just leave it be. But is there any any relation? I don't know. <laughs> uh, so one of the creepy things that I read about or alien was that reportedly some of the wreckage from the crash site was dumped into a nearby well located under the damaged windmill. A Mr. Brawley Oates purchased the property around 1935. Mr. Oates decided that he was going to clean out the debris from the well in order to use it as a water source, but later developed an extremely severe case of arthritis which he claimed to be the result of contaminated water from the wreckage dumped into his well. So as a result, Mr. Oates decided to seal up the well with a concrete slab and place a little building atop. According to what's written on the slab, this was done in 1957. So we don't have these remains of this this spacecraft. No. Someone dumped it down a well, then it gave this guy some severe arthritis, and so then he just put some cement on it. Man, that's just remarkably mundane for <laughs> for alien wreckage. You know, we've heard about aliens abducting people and doing experiments, and we've heard of, you know, alien sightings and crop circles and and uh, alien arthritis. That's a that's a new one. Yeah, I had not heard I had not heard that part of the of the story until very recently when we were researching this. I was like, what? Crazy. I was thinking he was probably going to have like radiation poisoning. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah, ra- yeah, radioactive water. Something. You know? Don't. But no. <laughs> no. He got a bad case of arthritis. Which, I mean, 
It's still awful. Yeah, it's still, it's no, there's no laughing matter to yeah. be sure, yeah. but uh, definitely not. Not what I expected to get from Alien Wreckage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. And there's been a lot of re- investigations and reports done on the Aurora Alien. So there's plenty of information out there. Um, like Chris said earlier, we have books and such here in the library. But um, the Fort Worth Star Telegram has reported on it. I know some of our local authors, like Jim Mars, has done mm-hmm. several um, articles and has reported on it before. The late Jim Mars. Yes. Rest in peace, yes. Jim Mars. And not to mention the Dallas Times Herald. The Mutual UFO Network, of course, has done some research on it. So has there been any mentions of uh, of possible hauntings by the alien's spirit? I, I seem to recall maybe hearing that at some point, that, that people thought that the, the alien's ghost was haunting the area. Hmm. I don't know. I haven't, I didn't read anything about, about that. Yeah. That might have been another story I read about an alien. I don't know. <laughs> but why not? E- extraterrestrial and supernatural. Yeah, so in other uh, Wise County hauntings and lore, it's uh, it's been said that the in Rome, on Highway 287, um, Sunday mornings, or between 4 and 5 a.m., uh, truckers have reported seeing a ghost in their headlights. But when they check their side view mirrors, he's vanished. And uh, and some say that what they see is an older man walking south wearing a dark colored suit and gray gloves. Could it be the ghost of 287? Hmm. I remember um, I've talked to several people that have have tried to, to go out there during this time and see if they see it. Or they've talked to people that supposedly have, have seen it. But that's a, before I even read any anything online or, or any other stories about it. I yeah. I had heard actually heard hearsay of people going and and looking for the the ghost in the suit. Cool. Did they find him? Did any of these people that went looking for him actually see him, or they were just like, "I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go and look." Well, you know, it's one of those things. It's like friend of a friend told me that they oh. saw such such and such on. On Highway 287, <laughs> so, you know, at that point, it's like That's how third hand, started. fourth hand yeah. information. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, my sister's cousin did, went there one time, <laughs> and and he totally saw that ghost, so it has to be true. It must be. Yeah. 100%. I just really like that he's very well dressed. Mm-hmm. I think that he's in a suit and gloves. Yeah, that's really the, the thing that stands out the most yeah. is this, this guy, this he's, old ghost guy walking walking down the, the highway in a nice suit between 4 and 5 a.m that sounds like something that uh something we need to try sometime <laughs> yeah <laughs> go up and down this this road you know sometime when it's it's late and it's already too late to go to bed and don't have anything else to do <laughs> just just drive down. be like you know what we haven't done that yet let's go let's go do that let's go find him that would be fun and then there's also Hell's Gate, which is in Bridgeport. Um, this story was provided by an anonymous, yeah, anonymous poster on a website. On a website, but uh, it has a recurring theme of a bridge. It seems like bridges are. 
I'm pretty sure Always all haunted. bridges are haunted. Brid- yeah. For some reason, bridges are just a common haunting. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why we don't see trolls under bridges anymore. <laughs> is because they're all haunted and they all haunted. scared off all the trolls. I don't know. But uh, yeah, Hell's Gate and Bridgeport, an old old wind bridge, and the the poster said that you know they were with a group of friends and they went and parked their cars, and uh, they went across the bridge. And supposedly, once you cross the bridge and get into the the field on the other side, then you have entered hell and the demon's domain. So while they were out there in this field and and had crossed hell's hell's gates, they Saw this about four foot tall black figure with red eyes, and it mm. started following them. <laughs> and then when 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 they went to get their cars, when they went you know tried to leave, there was a a log in the way, and they had to move the log because it had suddenly appeared, I guess, to block their escape. Mm. That was it was a harrowing experience for them, I'm sure. <laughs> All right, Hell's Gate and Bridgeport. Yeah. You know, do you know where that is? I want to say that it's somewhere off of Cuba Road. Mm-hmm. Like past the high school. But all these bridges that these people go and investigate are usually always old and out of service. Yeah. Places where people aren't supposed to be to begin with. Yeah. Dangerous, rickety old bridges. Mm-hmm. They couldn't possibly not be haunted. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you don't want anybody going out there if it's if it's actually haunted. Well, that is all very interesting, Laura. I'm excited to talk to Julia about some of this stuff. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be fun. She'll be in soon. Mhm. But yeah, especially her having grown up around this area and and uh yeah, being from around here, seeing if she's gone done some of the stuff or if she's got her own spooky stories. Right. We'll find out soon. So, are you reading anything creepy right now? Uh, right now, I'm actually reading uh, Devil's Call by J. Daniel Dorn. And it is, um, it's a western with witches. It's an old classic oh. western. We mentioned it in one of our previous podcasts about the online book club. And this is this month? It is, yes, it is this month's. So October's online book club selection. Yes. Devil's Call. So I'm I'm reading that right now. Hopefully by the time uh, our listeners tune into this podcast, I'll be finished with it and I'll be uh, posting discussion and uh, talking about what I thought of it. And I'm about halfway through it. I've been enjoying it. Started off a little slow, but uh, but it's interesting. Uh, in some of the reviews I've read, that there are a lot of horror aspects to it. It hasn't been. Too horrific so far, other than the fact that, you know, her husband was murdered. Um, it's pretty horrific, but not in the, you know, typical scary movie sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think maybe the there's a, there's a mystery surrounding the man that murdered her husband. Uh, nobody knows where he came from or who he is. She really has no idea. And he's just a man dressed all in black. So I have a feeling that maybe he's something more than just a... A person? Yeah, just a regular man. I think that, you know, since she comes from a, a line of, of witches, maybe he is some, you know, like a an evil evil practitioner or something like that. Oh. And we'll find out soon, though. 
So Hopefully. yeah, yeah. She's on. <laughs> I'm re, I'm in the middle of it. She's on her journey to to seek out her husband's killers and uh, with her spells and. That sounds cool. Yeah, it's 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 pretty rad. I've been liking it. So, I recently found out that Anne Perry, the best-selling author, Anne Perry, is an actual murderer, and I've been kind of obsessed with this because it just sort of blew my mind that Anne Perry is an actual murderer. And she writes murder mysteries. Murder mysteries. Yes. <laughs> so she writes from personal experience? Um, I don't... Her books, she's got several series, several really long series. I've only read one, the first book in the Charlotte and Inspector Pitt series, because this isn't really my kind of kind of genre that I really like to, to right. read. But after I found out that she was an actual murderer, I was like, I have to read at least one of her books now. And the book I read was The Cater Street Hangman. And I pretty much read it really quickly. It wasn't a, you know, it was a fast read, but I found that I ended up having to like power through it. Mm -hmm. And again, I think it's because it's just not really my type of book that I will usually, usually read. But, but um, I don't really want to spoil the book if anybody out there hasn't really read any of Anne Perry's work. Right. Um, but I do think that the ending was very telling to her real life, to the, the murderer. Um, so you definitely saw some of her, possibly some of her real experience yeah. being projected into the at least the At least writing. at the very end of the first book of this really long series. I was just like, oh, there it is. But apparently, Anne Perry, Anne Perry is not her real name. Well, I would imagine not. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Her real name is Juliet Holmey. H-U-L-M-E, Holmey. Home? Home? Hmm. I did not know that we uh, we had access to her real name. Oh, yeah. I thought that maybe she was like under some kind of protection. No, no. no. Peter Jackson made a movie inspired by this murder called Heavenly Creatures. Mm -hmm. And her name is a public record. And she did change it to Anne Perry for obvious reasons. Right. I did recently rewatch the Heavenly Creatures movie because I'd seen that forever. And I think this is probably one of the main reasons that I became so obsessed with this entire thing was that I'd seen Heavenly Creatures, you know, way back in the mid 90s when it came out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have tons of Anne Perry books. Yeah. And it wasn't until recently when I was found out that Anne Perry was Juliet that Peter Jackson made the movie heavenly creatures from right so you'd seen the movie but you hadn't drawn the connection between ann perry right. and the the uh the r real person slash character from the movie yeah well and the interesting thing about the movie heavenly creatures was that peter jackson used um there was two girls at the the center of the whole thing juliet and pauline mm -hmm. and they killed pauline's mother because they had become so very close, and her mother thought that they had become too close, so that she decided that you know they, they needed to be separated. Time to move. Yeah, and so um, they came up with their 
plan to murder her because they did not want to be separated. And so Peter Jackson actually used Pauline's real-life diary, which is how they got caught. Because, because the investigators found the diary yeah, and the they plans. Went, um, their story didn't really make much sense. Yeah. And so they went and um, searched Pauline's room, and they found her diaries, and they read them where she pretty much talked about how they had planned to do this and when they were going to do it and it's exactly how the woman died and so that's how that's how they got caught Mm -hmm. but peter jackson used her actual diaries like real Mm -hmm. entries from the diary yeah so like whenever you're watching the movie and she's writing in her diary and they're doing a voiceover that's from the actual diary Mm -hmm. and so that's actually really neat really really creepy actually yeah (laughs) when you're watching the movie it's just like oh when you realize that those are her real her real journal entries yeah yeah that adds a lot of a lot of realism to it Mm -hmm. for a you know uh, just a movie not a documentary or anything like that no no there was a lot of really weird claymation by the way yeah really didn't see that coming yeah I hadn't totally forgotten about the claymation until I was watching it again. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, oh, yeah, there's that. But that definitely adds to, uh, this movie was made in 1994, so you can imagine what kind of special effects it was. But, yeah, there was some claymation in there. I'm just, all I'm thinking about now is this, the end, the final scene from Evil Dead where <laughs> all, like, every, all the the people are falling apart and yeah yeah it was kind of like that it was kind of like that yeah except that evil did at least try to make it look like it was real people yeah but in heavenly creatures they were um juliet liked to make a lot of like clay models and Mm -hmm. clay sculptures so it was very sculpted yeah and so they were all that kind of gray marbly type clay looking color Mm mm-hmm so, yeah. Wow, that's uh, that's really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if I want to watch this movie or not. <laughs> Kate Winslet plays Juliet, a.k.a. Ann Perry. Hmm. Very young Kate Winslet, but yeah. still. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Hmm. Again, we have several of Ann Perry's books here at the library. Oh, yes, quite a, quite a few. <laughs> She's She is popular. Her series are very long. Like she's got two series that are set in the Victorian England type. Doesn't she also have like a a World War One era series now? I think so. Yeah. She's got a few standalone books. I think she's dabbled a little in sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And so, but still, I was just very shocked. Yeah. Shocked when I put those two. And Perry and Juliet together, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah, it's the same person. Did that? Was that creepy? Did that creep you out a little bit? Um, I don't know if I could say that it creeped me out. I was definitely very. Uh, I need to find out more about this, and then I need to read a book, and I need to rewatch Heavenly Creatures. Mm-hmm. I needed to know more. <laughs> yes. If I was going to recommend a scary book. For the month of October, I would recommend Horror Store by Grady Hendrix. Mm-hmm. We do have it here at the library, by the way. Um, Horror Store, it looks like a furniture catalog, kind of like an Ikea. 
furniture catalog, but the like this what it looks like on the cover. Yeah. Well, in the shape, yeah, and size of it, yeah. Um, and it's about a haunted Swedish furniture store that's not IKEA. It's totally not IKEA. Not IKEA. But they sell very similar things, and the format of the book is also very, very much like the catalog, like a catalog. So, um, but the premise is this furniture store is haunted. The employees, you know, when they come in to open the store, some weird smells, things have been moved around, okay. you know, just general light haunting kind of things. But they don't think that it's haunted. They think someone's been sneaking, hiding in the store and then, you like know. living in the store? Yeah. That sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah. And That's so, still kind of creepy. Yeah. <laughs> well, definitely, yeah. But I mean, they don't think, oh, this is obviously a ghost. They're like, someone's been hiding out in the store. And so several of the employees decide that they're going to work a nine-hour shift, you know, from dusk till dawn mm-hmm. type thing to see if they can catch who it is. And they end up in very scary, horrific situations because the store is haunted. While they're in the store. Yes. That sounds scary. Yeah. It was actually really good. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Yeah, well, I did some research into scary books leading up to our online book club. And, uh, and I'm, you know, I looked into some that I thought would be interesting. But yeah, and yeah, and I recently read a book by Nick Cutter. Uh, it came out a few years back, but it's called The Troop, and uh, it is definitely horrific and and frightening, but not at all in a supernatural way. Uh, it really is more like uh, the kind of outbreak medical thrillers and and monster you know, monster movies and uh, things like that. And I would not recommend it to everybody. If you're into that particular type of of frightening, then uh, it was excellent. But there's some pretty graphic stuff because, well, the the monster is essentially rapidly reproducing tapeworms. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so I won't I won't go into any more detail than that. But uh, yeah, it was it was pretty nasty, and it was frightening, and and it, it was oddly bore a lot of resemblance to uh, Lord of the Flies because huh. it's about a, a Boy Scout troop uh, on their uh, on this island. Uh, it's in in Canada, uh, Canadian Boy Scouts, and are Canadian Boy Scouts still called Boy Scouts? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what they called them in the book. They're boy, <laughs> they're boy Scouts, but yeah, they're out there with their you know their troop leader, and they're they're on this little island, and they you know they're just gonna have a having a a good old time, and and this guy comes up on the island, and he's just emaciated, and it turns out that he was infected, and uh. and it just goes all downhill from there. But as I was reading these, uh, if there's any gamers among our audience, I just was thinking, like, this author has totally played at least a few of the Resident Evil games <laughs> because of the giant parasites. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it just reminded me of a, of a scene right out of one of those games. Mm-hmm. And I started reading one of his other books, and it had a, 
a character in it that looked just like a character from the game, and all the way down <laughs> to his the weapons he used and everything. And uh, so I guess I can't fault him for that. They're great. No. They're great games. Yeah. And they're very inspiring, and they're very scary. Yeah, so. yeah. Are you going to write a scary book based, or at least influenced, inspired by a video game? It should be Resident Evil. It should. Any of the Resident Evils, really. Yeah, pretty much. The games. Yes. Not the movies. <laughs> no, not the movies. We won't get into the movies. Yeah, we won't. We won't go there. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, The Troop by Nick Cutter, and we do have it here, so if you aren't squeamish, you should check it out. Yeah, if you're a-okay with that kind of thing, it's here. I'm still wondering what I'm going to be for Halloween. We're going to have our usual children's Halloween carnival mm-hmm. on Halloween, the 31st. And we'll have candy and activities. Yes, we'll have activities, and they'll be trick-or-treating in the library, and all kinds of fun. Bring It'll your be- kids, dress them up. Yeah, You can dress up, too. It'll be from 4 to 6 here at the library, but I am just having a hard time deciding what I want to be for Halloween. Yeah. Has there been anything that you've been thinking about? Not really. Like, I'm just totally blank right now on Halloween. Yeah. It makes me kind of sad because Halloween's my favorite. Mm Mm-hmm. See, I always wanted to do a Plague Doctor costume and mm-hmm. i always think about it every halloween and then and then october gets here it's too late for me to make a costume yeah and then after it's over i'm like you know what i should start making this start costume making now, now for next time <laughs> and then before i know it it's october again and i haven't done anything yeah that would be that would definitely take some time to make yeah some plague doctor but i don't know i always wanted to do a plague doctor because for some reason, plague doctors are scary to me. They are. They just look really, yeah, really freaky. Those masks and yeah. I've been thinking about it. Have to see what I come up with. So come and come to our children's program on Halloween and see if Denise comes up with anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, at the very least, will be wearing a festive Halloween dress. Sure. <laughs> Maybe not a costume. Maybe not a costume. But- <laughs> <laughs> but festive I will be. Mm-hmm. And then the teens, I think, are having their own little Halloween party after the carnival. So the children's Halloween carnival will be the 31st from 4 to 6. And then the teens will have their own from 6 to 8, also on the 31st. Awesome. So we'll see what kind of fun things they get up to. Mm-hmm. So we talked some... Uh, between Denise and I about the local lore and hauntings and creepy stuff around Wise County. Um, we talked about our scary book recommendations mm-hmm. and and Perry being a murderer. I'm just going to say that again, everybody, because I am still still obsessed with Anne Perry being a murderer. Okay, if you haven't gotten it, gotten the message yet, yes. Okay, <laughs> and. <laughs> And now, and uh, having mentioned Anne Perry, we, we as a writer, uh, we have another writer here who is uh, going to discuss uh, spooky things and local lore with us. Yeah. Writer uh, Julie Heberlin, author of many bestsellers, including Black Eyed Susans. And has a book coming out 
next year, April eighteenth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paper ghosts, um, also full of uh, creepy Texas lore. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what Julia has to say. We have Julia Heverlin here today, who's going to be talking to us about spooky things. So, Julia. Oh, well, thanks for having me. Yeah, um, thanks for being here. Yeah. So, there's a couple of things that I was looking up online because I, you know, you hear things growing up in Wise County about screaming bridges and haunted courthouses. And I was just like, well, what else is there out there in Wise County that's haunted? I did not know that the Whistle Stop Cafe is supposed to be haunted. Did I did you not know this? I did not know that no. either. Supposedly <laughs> haunted. So Supposedly. apparently staff and you know patrons that go there to eat have heard ghostly voices and chairs that move on their own in the dining area. I hadn't heard anything about that before. But apparently it is very wildly believed. That, the that there is. Well, well, I'm a believer in ghosts. Are you? Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, this is a perfect <laughs> podcast for you. <laughs> so the, um, uh, I don't know much about spooky places, just about spooky things that happened to me when I was a kid, when they have so much more impact, obviously. <laughs> but I do remember a particular slumber party um, where we were in the dark and we were having a seance and we lifted this girl by the fingertips, mm-hmm. um, maybe, I don't know, a foot off the ground, and she floated back down. And every girl will tell you who was at that slumber party, you know, we what were we, 13 or 14, yeah. something like that. So um, so that's part of my legend of Wise cool. County and okay. made me a believer at a very So you may age. be responsible yes. for some of the hauntings. <laughs> there, there you go, there you go. <laughs> I also read that the Wise County Courthouse is haunted, that at 2 a.m., the elevator starts going up and down all by itself. Ooh. And I'm just like, who is in the courthouse at 2 a.m.? Uh, to, be record- to be like, oh, yeah, the elevator is just moving on its own. Right. So have you? It, so it, it's not about anyone peering out at the top of the courthouse because I have actually been to the very top oh. of the courthouse, and that's pretty spooky. Just yeah. From what I read, it was that supposedly a person either committed suicide or was thrown out of the tower uh, a long time ago guess before there were barriers so and well so, so, so that makes sense yeah so a female a male or do you don't person. know <laughs> so all the internet would tell me but you know i was growing up the wagner mansion was a very spooky place to mm-hmm. me i don't know if it is i remember to the two yeah. of you um but it was actually owned by someone who's uh, who the son of the son of um, the owner was in my class, and uh, but I never went into the Wagner Mansion. But mm-hmm. it has appeared in uh, well, it does appear in Black Eyed Susans. Oh, awesome! In in the sense that I kind of um, invented the house that's in that book mm-hmm. it was basically inspired by the Wagner Mansion, which I'm sure has a number of ghosts in it. You know, yeah. is it empty now? The Wagner Mansion. I think it is still empty. It still yeah. has all those no trespassing signs yeah. out there, so you can't go and and look at it in any any closeness. Yeah, and this is Texas, man. You 
cross the no trespassing, when, yeah. you could get shot. When it says no trespassing, <laughs> you, don't you don't trespass. Don't trespass or you become one of the new ghosts. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. it just does say trespass or you will be shot. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, there you go. Makes it clear. But uh, yeah, I believe I went to, to school with some some folks uh, at Slidell, actually, that uh, they were related to some some of the people that were related to Wagner's. So they were loosely related in some way. And I want to say that some of them said they actually had been in the mansion. And, and, you know, of course, they avowed that it was definitely haunted and that you heard footsteps outside the doors when there wasn't anybody there, things like that. I think all of Texas is haunted, especially at night when you're out on the open plains. I don't know. Maybe it gives (laughs) the ghosts room to move around. I'm not sure. Sure. Um, but I, I always wonder what's under our feet, what, you know, what's under my house in Decatur, Texas, where I grew up, you know, whose bones, because they have to be there, right? Right. So. Yeah. I'm pretty sure everything is built on a ancient. ancient <laughs> somebody was buried there at some point. At some it's point. just a matter of how ancient. Yeah. <laughs> and how mad they are. <laughs> That you build a house there. Do you have know. ghosts in your house? We, I live. I have. I grew up in a hundred-year-old house, so we always called the ghosts there. George, who was blamed for everything that, you know, <laughs> none of us would admit happened in the house. Yeah. So. I don't know. I don't think. I don't think my house is, our apartment is haunted. <laughs> <laughs> At least not in the, the supernatural your, sense. Yeah, your apartment's <laughs> relatively new. I don't know if anybody's died there. So. Probably not. Maybe, maybe later, just down the road in the future. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, my my next book travels all over Texas, and um, I actually did go to a lot of the places in the book. And uh, one of the places I asked one of my friends um, who went to Baylor. Um, to uh, take me to places that were spooky in Waco because I also wanted to go out to the site of the Waco siege. And uh, we ended up under a very spooky bridge where there was a cross um, that had been clearly hammered into the ground, a metal cross, and there was nothing there. Who knew what was under that cross? No one bothered to dig it up. In Texas, people don't dig up crosses for no good reason, right? right? Um, and then um, when we went out to, have you ever been out to where the the uh, Waco siege happened? It is just mm-hmm. sort of empty prairie mm-hmm. and um, this very um, uh, sad and poetic kind of memorial with all the names of the children on the wall. And it says things like, you know, aborted baby summers and, um, you know, ch- child age one. I mean, it, just amazing how many children died there too. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like places retain you know, mm-hmm. that places of disaster retain that kind of terrible thing yeah. that happened there. Yeah, so. yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, and but I don't know. I mean, for me, mostly, growing up in Wise County was a pretty happy thing, uh, you know. Um, so you didn't I'm only scared at night. Only scared <laughs> at night. <laughs> so you didn't encounter or attempt any of these rituals that that the young people like to do on the bridges and to try and hear the screaming... I didn't do any of those things, but we were big into telling (laughs) ghost stories, just sitting in a dark room. And we were also big into the Ouija board, where a friend of mine and I are convinced we contacted Amelia Earhart. We are certain (laughs) in that woodruff, if you're listening. (laughs) We know. So, um, so, so those kinds of things, but I don't know about many of the ghosts of Wise County. So this is interesting to me. Oh, 
Yeah, we looked up a couple of things. Screaming Bridge, which is located south of Decatur. Um, Where? And and what is the, exactly is the story behind the Screaming the Bridge? The Screaming Bridge, some say, of course, that a girl drove off the Bridge Creek. And supposedly, if you park on the bridge, turn off your engine and roll down the windows, you can still hear her scream. Oh. Are you going to try that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm... The fact that you have to, like, turn off your engine, I'm just like, mm, what if I need to get out of there really quickly? <laughs> I don't turn off my engine for just any reason. So do, 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 so do teenagers here still do that, do you think? Go and do these things? I think yeah. they do. I think so. Yeah. 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 Um, I have a creepy story from a screaming bridge just not here in Decatur. I went to go visit family in East Texas, and I'm pretty sure every small town in Texas has a screaming bridge. Like, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so, but did you hear the screaming? Well, we went to their screaming bridge. We parked and we turned off the lights, but we didn't turn off the car. It was me and my cousin and her boyfriend. And he was driving us. And so he turned off the lights, but he didn't turn off the engine. And we were sitting there very quietly, you know. Her and I were listening and seeing if we could hear anything. And then we did. We heard it. We heard a scream out in the distance. And instantaneously, we both reach for the door to go investigate because that was our thought was we should go see what that was. It was that real. That kind of gives me yeah. chills. Yeah. And her boyfriend was like, lock doors, turn on headlights, drive away. He was like, what were you thinking? We're like, we had to go see what that was. I was like, why did you drive away? And he was just like, we were in the dark. And someone was screaming. <laughs> we're like, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know about sort of disembodied voices and things like that. So I, I read um, Oliver Sacks book on book Oliver Oliver Sacks book on uh, hallucinations and mm -hmm. the idea that we will all experience them in some form or another, and that most people see their. Um, loved one or hear their loved one maybe not most i think more than half after they die mm -hmm. and I, they're called i think um what are they called grief hallucinations i can't remember exactly the name of them but it's um but i don't know if you my my mother told me a story about in our kitchen indicator um about after her uh, father died um he showed up this would be my grandfather showed up in the kitchen stirring chili which he was sort of famous for making for and she said um daddy and he said fooled you didn't i and then he just disappeared <laughs> so you know my mother is probably if you asked her if she believed in ghosts she would probably say no but she would probably say yes he was standing in her kitchen but there was a ghost that time yeah. i don't believe in ghosts yeah but that, that, one. That, that, that one that was just a visit perhaps so i don't know all sorts of things can go on with the brain. They can't prove one way or the other whether ghosts do or don't exist, so mm -hmm. I choose to believe. So Yeah. Right on. Uh, well, coming from Slidell, myself, one of the, the famous hauntings over there is the old basketball court. The old, the old, oh, do tell. That's Yeah. Um, yeah. Supposedly, uh, when it's dark uh, at night, the basketballs will come off the racks and just bounce out onto the floor, even though there's nobody there. Um, or, you know, you'll hear, hear something like that and turn on the lights and there's just a, a ball in the center of the court. And 
Where is this old basketball court? Is it part of the high school? Or yeah, is it? it was the it was the part of the old high school uh, in Slidell. Oh. Um, I don't know. I don't think that I ever saw anything myself, but it was kind of creepy at night. Um, but it's it's one of those things. All the kids swear that it's haunted, and they've seen weird things. And my, I will say that my dad and my sister were there one time uh, during an event or or practice of some kind, and it, it was. It was dark, and they said they saw like somebody that came and talked to him, and then, like I guess in the dark, I don't know, some something weird like that, and then they were gone, and it was like nobody that worked there, you know, nobody that was like on the, the cleaning staff or teacher or anything mm. like that. It was just it was weird. Mm. So, yeah. Scary. <laughs> yes. But yeah, all kinds of stuff, and in, in Wise County, and I'm sure Texas. Uh, any other weird hauntings that you, or spooky places that you heard Well, about? I turned to every place spooky in my book, I hope. But it, <laughs> it travels to Marfa, which if you've been to Marfa, it's yeah, just absolutely. sort of a at night, yeah. um, especially when it's not tourist season, whatever that is in Marfa. It's, you know, you just think zombies are going to come out. Mm-hmm. You know, so still and, and quiet and dusty and in the middle of nowhere. And um, then there is a scene in the Piney Woods um, that um, is probably my favorite scene in the book, so I'm not going to talk to you about it, but it's probably Absolutely. the scariest scene cool. in the book. So, um, and, and they visit various spots where girls went missing. Um, and, and there are these two girls who, on the cover of the book, they're spooky twins, and um, there's a photograph that is significant to her. She doesn't know what it means, but she thinks it means that this particular man um, was responsible for her uh, sister's disappearance. And so throughout the book, those, those spooky photographs, and you don't quite know who those girls are. They're dressed in white. You mm-hmm. don't know if they're ghosts. You'll have to read the book to find yeah, out. Yeah, it sounds like a great, a great setting. And yeah. uh, just the way you described it, I'm like super excited to yeah, read this one. Yeah, we're very excited about Paper Ghosts. Yes. Which will be out April 2018. Yes, very excited. Thank you. And, uh, <laughs> And I also, I, as we were talking, I remembered um, another famous, not necessarily supernatural, maybe. Um, and I guess we just need to know what your opinion is. The uh, Runaway Bay. The Chupacabra. Chupacabra. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the biologists claim that it's a hairless raccoon, and I'm just not convinced. I don't think it's so, a hairless so this, raccoon. So does this come out on the golf course? This sounds kind of familiar. Right. Yeah, it was found on the okay. golf course. Okay, January of two- 2010 and has been sighted in the daytime or night they found a dead animal that they could not identify oh so this it's dead yes okay mm-hmm. and it hopefully does not have okay. offspring <laughs> right <laughs> yes but they found this dead animal on the golf course okay this is sounding familiar to me now and no one could tell what it was it looked kind of like a dog, kind of like a raccoon, kind of like a weird demon-like goat-sucking creature. <laughs> <laughs> but the biologist said what? That it was said- a hairless raccoon. Hmm, because it didn't look mangy. Like it wasn't like, oh yeah, that's obviously a raccoon with a bad. Well, that's piece what of biologists no. would say. They're scientists. <laughs> yes, you know, exactly. They're not there gonna be has like, to be an explanation, right? So. They're not gonna be like. That's definitely a chupacabra. Hairless raccoon or cover-up? <laughs> I vote for two every time. Cover-up. Cover-up. Cover up. Yep. Yep. Let's go with that one. And Runaway Bay is just like, this is now our new town mascot. And it is. <laughs> Seriously? It, yeah. In yeah. May of 2010, yep. they named it 
officially their city mascot. Oh, that's great. He, he sent me a link about the chupacabra, and I'm like, oh, yeah, the chupacabra. And he was like, yeah, hairless raccoon. And I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't just believe everything the scientists say. So, so where, where is this chupacabra now? Does he have, like, a little glass coffin somewhere? Oh, I don't he's, know. he's the mascot of the yeah, town. Was like he buried? <laughs> where is he buried? He or she, I guess. We have questions now. Yeah. yeah. We need to contact. Hopefully we don't get a visit from the men in black later or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was fun. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you, you for joining us. Yeah. All right, thanks for the spooky talk. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Join us next week for another episode of the Long Overdue Podcast.